uh, another vet this morning, Ron. I know how many, how many vets do we have here, veterans? Good number. I know Pastor Ron and some others. Thank you, thank you. Uh, we usually, usually give you your full uh, honor during Veterans Day weekend, but thank you for your service. And uh, just a couple quick notes uh, before we begin, and we want to actually start uh, this morning probably with some prayer. Um, Pastor Ron or Pastor Steve called me last evening. And his father, the bad news initially was that he had just a, uh, a couple hours to live, they thought. Uh, he had been doing well and then uh, fell back. Um, but this morning, when I got the text, he uh, is still in critical condition, but he has UTI, sepsis, and uh, his lungs are still uh, full of liquid from... Uh, from a condition that he had uh, previously. So, so we want to pray. That's why Pastor Steve is not here. So once again, happy Memorial Day. You've got the second string. <laughs> Frank and Sandy will be helping out. And uh, as you heard my mother, we're going to sp- sing a special song as we start the service. And I have to tell you this. Every time I hear her play before church or play like this, it throws me back like 40 years. It just, I feel like I'm a kid again. It's just amazing, but uh, so we, we thank her. But let's just, uh, first of all, just stand in, in prayer and just uh, for Pastor Steve's dad and then also for, for their family and everything and uh, for today. Father, we just thank you so much that no matter what is happening in our lives, you're the same. You're the same God, Jehovah, Rafi, the, the healer. You're Jehovah Tzitkanu, our righteousness. You're, you're the banner of victory over every part of our lives. So we pray right now for Pastor Steve and uh, brothers and sisters, and especially for his mom, as they wage this battle right now. We're just going to believe that uh, as of this morning, he was supposed to be gone, but he's not. And so we thank you for that. So when there's breath, there's life, and we'll keep praying. So we ask your touch on him right now in Jesus' name. Heal that body. Strengthen that body. Bring him back. Whatever caused this sepsis, whatever caused this infection, we ask that you would heal it in Jesus' name and that you would touch Steve and the family as well. Give them your comfort and your blessing in this time, and we're going to rest in you. We thank you for this time we can gather together, worship you, praise you, thank you for what you're doing, and prepare our hearts for a wonderful day in your presence and also a wonderful weekend, I'm sure, with family and friends celebrating this wonderful country. We thank you for it, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. While you're standing, <clears throat> we're going to begin with a, a good uh, hymn, I guess you would say, of, uh, of praise to the Lord, but also thanks for our, our country. My country, tis of thee, I believe it's called America. I think it's called America. It, there, it goes by a whole bunch of different names, but guys, if we can get those words up, uh, we will go ahead and begin this. You probably know the first verse, I would think, and so we could start it together. Let's go ahead and just start that. My country, tis of thee. Let's sing it together. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. Next verse. Let music swell the breeze and ring from all the trees, sweet freedom song. Let mortal tongues awake 
let all that breathe partake. Let rocks their silence break. The sound prolong. And I, I love this last verse. These are some of the more obscure verses, but how many know that we need uh, a holy light right now in this country? We need a holy light. We need protection by his might. And no matter what happens, the last line of this third stanza is, Great God, our King. How many are glad we have a king this morning? Praise his name. Let's just sing this last verse together. Our Father's God to thee. Our Father's God to thee. Author of liberty to thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by thy might, great God our King. Oh, if you believe that, give the Lord a clap offering. Could you do that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise his name. God bless you. You may be seated just for a moment. We have a special video just for us to celebrate. I believe in the United States of America. I believe. I believe in the United States of America. I believe in the United States of America. A sovereign nation of many sovereign states. A perfect union. One and inseparable. One, one and inseparable. Established upon those principles of freedom, equality, justice, humanity, for which American patriots sacrificed, sacrificed, sacrificed their lives, sacrificed their lives, their lives and fortunes. I, I am free. I am free. I am free to study and teach the Christian and moral values this country was founded on. I am free. I am free to live by, defend, and stand up for my constitutional rights. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am free to own my own business. To worship God. To read the Bible. To pray. Thank you. Thank you. I am free to raise my family in Christian values and to protect them. I'm free to cultivate my own land and produce food for my family. Thank you. 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 as we think about uh, Memorial Day and as we uh, 
We are grateful and thankful for those that have paid the ultimate in giving their lives for us, for our freedom. As we, we were talking earlier in Sunday school this morning, and thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the ultimate price of your life that you sacrificed for us so that we may have freedom, true freedom. I thank God for those veterans that did all what they did for our country and, and things like that, but nothing compares to the freedom that we have in Jesus. So let's, we all have things that we come in this building with this morning, um, things that we're going through in this life, whether it be a sick child or a sick relative or whether it be something that we're fighting ourselves. But this time, at this moment, let's try to take a deep breath and exhale and let it all out and let's focus and look to our God and bless and praise his name during this time of worship. So let's just lay all those things aside that so easily can get us distracted. And let's focus on our God this morning and let's bless his name. Thank you, Jesus. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. With a heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee, O Oh, 
Give him one last praise. Could you do that? Just worship him where you're at. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just, I just love that, that one line in the one song we just sang. For from him are all things and to him are all things. That describes our life, folks. Everything we have is from him and to him. Yes. And so we can rest in that. Thank you, Jesus. It's good to see uh, Kathy Dyer back. She was struggling a bit physically, but she's making it. Praise the Lord. Father, we just lift up anyone else that's struggling yes. physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. doesn't matter. You're the first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the healer, the deliverer, every day of our lives. So we thank you for your touch and how you complete all of us according to your grace and mercy. We thank you for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise amen. the Lord. And how many say thank you to Frank and Sandy? <laughs> Last week it was um, <clears throat> Jim Gamina in the back. Ra wave your hand, Jim played the bass last week, and he'll be back uh, next week, I'm sure, or the week after, whenever Steve returns. And uh, <clears throat> before church, he, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. You know, this is, this is, uh, I'm getting back into this thing and everything. I said, listen, this room is, I, I feel the most comfortable way to describe this room is the living room. This is like a living room in a home. We're family. There are no performances here. There's, we, we try to do everything correctly, right? We try to sing the best we can and play the best we can and, and all that. But this is, this is the family room. This is the living room. This is where we come to worship and enjoy his presence. So there's, there's no performing here. Uh, so that's, that's what this Sunday really typically, except for my mother playing the piano. Now, Yes, well, yes, but uh, people will, uh, often say to me, somebody just said to me, you play piano pretty good. And I said, mm, no, what you heard earlier, that was good piano playing. All the fingers are in the right place, you know, everything is right. So, no. Hallelujah. Uh, ushers, if you'll come, <clears throat> we'll prepare to meet the hour, meet the needs of the hour. And Frank, as I see you walking, I'm going to ask you to bless the offering if you would. Amen. Amen. And as they give uh, out on the 
information table was our fifth Sunday missions. For those of you who are uh, keeping track every fifth Sunday of the year uh, in a year, uh, which the next one I believe is in July or something, we just set aside a moment just to keep you informed of the missions giving. So you'll see in this uh, a little bit about missions and also the current missionaries that we are supporting. And um, there is also a faith giving uh, card if you would like to make a special donations to missions or if you would like to uh, give a faith promise uh, pledge to missions you could do that five dollars a month ten dollars a month whatever and um, you can uh, help to support missions around the world and everything that you give uh, in that way designated for that goes to missions and you know I've had people in the past when they found out I was a minister or something on rare occasions they would say oh yeah well you guys are you're just in it for the money that's all you're in it for and I'm like that's exactly right I am in it for all the money that I make yes yes I (laughs) matter of fact I've got so much if anybody needs any just come to church I'll give you you know what yes we are in it for the money absolutely that's why we do what we do uh (laughs) So, <clears throat> but, so I, I am always uh, never ashamed to make an appeal for missions because uh, missions is part, vitally part of what we do uh, here in Giving Out. As a matter of fact, we have a, another quick video. One of the missions that we support is Convoy of Hope. And what I like about this, and I've said this before, is when you give to something like Convoy of Hope, they, are, they supply humanitarian needs for everything from tornadoes to hurricanes down south to, as you'll see in this video, around the world. And what's nice is when you give, we give to them personally as well. When you give monthly, as we do, uh, then you're you're preparing for the next emergency, right? You don't have to give necessarily for the next emergency because you're already preparing, you're already giving. And so they're doing a, a wonderful work around the world. So just for a few moments, just watch this uh, quick video about uh, um, Convoy of Hope. I'm Ethan Forhats with Convoy of Hope. And right now, a team from Convoy is on the ground in Poland working to aid Ukrainian refugees. We know that more than a million people have already fled Ukraine and more than three quarters of those have escaped to Poland. The scenes are heartbreaking. Tens of thousands of people mostly women and children carrying suitcases, waiting at train and bus stops for transportation. Our team has been struck by the dazed look on the precious faces of so many children. Convoy of Hope is working to bring relief to these families, providing food, water, shelter, hygiene kits, baby kits, and medical supplies. We are currently working in six countries in the region, offering hope to those who feel hopeless. You can join us as we act as the global church, reaching out to those who are suffering to bear one another's burdens. We ask for your support and we ask for your prayers. Pray that Convoy is able to navigate the situation wisely and effectively to truly show people the love of Jesus. And remember to continue to pray for the people of Ukraine. Thank you. Amen. Just an example of of the support that we give. And I I know the Ukrainian situation is a bizarre situation. I really, to be honest with you, don't even know how to make heads or tails of it myself. But I do know that people are suffering. So we are blessed to be able to help those folks and people all around the world. So thank you for your giving. Uh, Pray and see if the Lord wants you to give more, do more uh, to help those in need. And I'm sure he will bless you. Amen. Uh, Teens, you may be dismissed for your time. And... uh, Those that remain, open your Bibles to Philippians, the first chapter. 
Philippians, the first chapter. We're continuing on in Philippians, and I believe if you need an outline, it is on the back information table still. You can grab one, stick it in your Bible, and study ahead. So then that way, when I say something wrong, you can tell me. But uh, Philippians, the first chapter, we are going to be down into verse 6 in particular, just what a wonderful, wonderful verse uh, promise for all of us. But uh, we started with, of course, the greeting in verses 1 and 2 and how grace and peace was given to all of those in the body, not just certain parts, but grace and peace is given to bond slaves. Paul called himself and Timothy bond slaves, and also to servants, all of us, and to the separate ones, the, the holy ones, the separate ones, and also to the overseers. So from the least to the greatest, smallest to the biggest, doesn't matter. We all get the same grace and the same mercy. Hallelujah. I'm glad. Wouldn't it be terrible if, if we had like sections of the church where this section got more grace and peace than that section, and this section who gave more money got that grace and peace, and the, Yeah, we're all together. Hallelujah. All one. All one body. So we saw that as this introduction. We also learned that uh, Paul founded this church uh, through Lydia, the seller of purple. Uh, There was no synagogue, so they met in her home because there weren't enough Jewish folk there to form a synagogue. Philippi was a very prosperous uh, crossroads Roman city. A lot of money and gold flowed through there, just like Youngstown. I'm sorry, Warren. There, that's me. <clears throat> the Philippian church was the first to come to the financial aid of Paul, which actually, you may say, well, so big deal. So they were the first. Well, actually, that it was sort of a big deal because, remember, Paul was a murderer that was killing as many Christians as he could, sent by the Sanhedrin to do so. And then all of a sudden, news spread across the early church that Paul was now a believer. So there were many people that did not believe what they heard about Paul, and they would not be part of his ministry, but Philippians were the first ones to do so. And we understand that even though he was in prison, uh, writing this under house arrest in Rome, that this is still a letter of joy and thanksgiving, and that's, that's why we're zeroing in on this book right now. We need joy and we need thanksgiving in our lives. Now, you'll notice, let's go down to verse 3, and then we'll just read to verse 6 and get the whole context. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. And I like the way he puts this, not at the day of Christ, but until the day of Jesus Christ. So it's this continuing work. And uh, we saw that Paul thanked them for, for their fellowship from the beginning, the first day. And then we see in verse 5 and 6 that it is a uh, until now, the present. He says, I thank you from the beginning until now. And then in verse 6 he says, until the day of Christ, which is the end. So we have the new, and we have in the middle, and we have at the end, which, of course, we understand our end is actually a beginning. <laughs> the end of all things is actually the beginning of the new age. So, But it, this gives us a wonderful picture of the timeline that Paul gives us for believers, for the Philippians and also for us. Uh, our beautiful timeline of our life in Jesus, our fellowship begins by the good news of grace and peace. Hallelujah. And then we are carried through life by the same good news and peace. Continuing. And then we enter heaven at the end 
with the same good news and the same grace and the same peace. So from the day we start till the day we finish, we are under his grace and his mercy. So I want to share three quick points this morning with us. We're going to see, uh, first of all, the beginning of our life in Christ, the continuation of our life in Christ, and then finally, the end of our life in Christ, or as we said, the beginning. So let's, let's start, first of all, with the beginning of our life in Christ. He says uh, in verse 5, from the first day, from the first day that you heard the gospel, that's the beginning. The beginning of our life in Christ is a good work, because he talks about the good works that will be performed until the end, and the good work of the Lord in our lives. How many know the, what he's done in us is a good work? Hallelujah. <clears throat> and sometimes we need to stress the work part. He's got a lot of work to do, doesn't he? <clears throat> but we have to understand that the thing that binds us together is this gospel of the good news. That's what we have. It's good news. We're here today not because of each other. We're here today because we are bound together by the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what puts us together. Do you, do you realize how much we probably hated each other outside of Jesus? I, I think of, uh, Kavan was sharing his testimony one time about how he was a devout, devout Muslim and working for Farrakhan's group, right? You probably would not would have liked us back then. <laughs> but now you love us. We, we love each other. Outside of Christ, we were, many of us, enemies. We would have, some would have killed each other. Some would have extorted each other. We would have bullied each other. We would have belittled each other. That's what it's like outside of Christ. Uh, it's good to see uh, Susan back, who I went to high school with. She hated me in high school. No. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> everybody hates everybody in high school. <clears throat> Now she hugs me and calls me honey. Hallelujah. Right? What, what better greeting could you get to come into a church than that? Hallelujah. <laughs> but that's because of Jesus. That's not because of us. It's the foundation of the good news. That's why it's possible for all of us, from all of our different backgrounds and all of our different understandings, to love one another. Because we're not here for each other. We're here for the gospel. And since we are here for the gospel, the closer we get to Jesus, what happens? The closer we get to each other. So that's the the binding factor, if you will, in all of our lives. It's Jesus. The binding factor is, is not our likes or dislikes, our politics, our education. It's not our wealth or our poverty or anything like that. It's Jesus. We did not pick each other to be a part of this fellowship. The Holy Spirit did. I didn't pick you. You didn't pick me. In the flesh, if I picked everybody, how many know <laughs> you would all look like me? Because everybody knows. Because everybody knows that I'm the most important person, right? Everybody knows if I want everyone, if I want to pick everybody, they'd all be just like me, and they'd have all my opinions. You know, you know that old saying, right? If if I want your opinion, I'll give you mine, right? <laughs> I think that should be on a t-shirt. I think it's probably on a t-shirt somewhere. But, but we are all basically selfish people in our flesh. So we would not necessarily pick everybody we're with. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit does something to our brains and our minds and our hearts, doesn't he? And we come into a place and we love one another because of Jesus. It's the good news. It's the gospel. 
I'm here not for not just you as a person, because if that's the true, if that's the fact, if I'm here just for you as a person, I might not stay with you through the tough times. I might only be your friend when you hit the lottery, right? I might only love you if you look like me, if you vote right, if you sing right, if you look right, if you love right, if you do. I might only be here for that. If you live in the right neighborhood or you drive the right car. But you see, our fellowship begins and ends in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are my brother. You are my sister. We're in this thing together. We love each other through the toughest times. We forgive each other. We think the best of each other. We hold each other up. We let love cover a multitude of sins. How many? How much is a multitude? A lot. More than just four or five. Or one or two. But that's what love does. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Go to work tomorrow and talk to your employees that way. <laughs> go to GM. Go to, go to the schools you teach in. Say, you know, we all need to love one another and bear one another and cover one another's sins and failures and faults. Yeah, yeah right. They will do just, they'll do to you just what they did to Jesus. <laughs> so that's why we're here. And that's why, that's why division in the body is so deadly. That's why Paul had to write to the Corinthians. He says, wait a minute, this is, I hear there's not only sexual immorality, but I hear the rich are extorting the poor, and the poor are trying to use the rich, and all of this stuff. What in the world? You have one body, one Father, one Savior, one Lord, one baptism. We're in this thing together, folks. He had to reprimand them for that. We cannot let this visible realm interfere with the invisible realm of the kingdoms. Our kingdom, our lives begin in Jesus and in the good news of his kingdom and that has to permeate every part of the journey that we're on together and as I say as we continue to focus on Jesus then that's when we continue to grow together more and more and that's one of the dangers that we have in the modern church today is uh, we can tend to lose sight of the person of Jesus and we get lost in a program or programs to try to get people to him. I can't get anybody to Jesus. I can't. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So all I can do is exalt Jesus to the best of my ability and allow people to be drawn to him. And that's, that's what we do as his body. So that's the beginning of our life in Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that started this whole thing in each of us. Then we see the continuation of our life in Christ. And this is where uh, Paul tells us that God begins our walk. And the Lord, we know, also ends our walk. Every part of our life is with him. So logic would dictate, logic would tell us that if he is at the beginning and he is at the end, then he must be there through the middle as well. So he's, he's, he never at any point do you read in Scripture <clears throat> where the Lord begins a work in someone. He starts a work. I, if, you, if you want to think about an ending, think about Adam and Eve. If God wanted to walk away from anybody, it would have been Adam and Eve. But he started the work in Adam and Eve. They rebelled. He didn't walk away, but he said, I've provided a way out now. Hallelujah. He started the work in Abraham. 
and look at everything Abraham did. What a dunderhead through many of the things that he did. Trying to pass his wife off as a sister, you know, afraid of, of what, Abimelech or whoever it was. He's afraid of this and afraid of that. A man of faith. Still, God stayed with him all the way through. Every person in scripture that we read, God never started the work and then walked away and said, okay, I'll let you finish it. Never. God is always there at the beginning and he's always there at the end. And I'm glad for that. Because I want a good ending. I don't want a bad ending. I want a good ending. And if I'm doing it alone, it's going to be a bad ending. But, but we begin everything by grace. By grace and by mercy. And it continues through our entire life. It's, it's like the uh, wealthy man. There was a, a, a small town where there was a, a church, small church. And the pastor was bivocational. He was a pastor and a barber. And there was a wealthy man in town. He got up to shave one morning, and he, and he thought, you know what? I'm wealthy. I don't need to shave. I'm going to go to the barber, and I'm just going to pay for a shave. And so he goes down to the barber shop, and he sees on the sign the pastor barber was out on visitation. So he knocked on the door anyway, and the lights were on, and he walked in, and he said, well, I just like a shave. And uh, the pastor's wife was named Grace, and Grace said, oh, I'll shave you. Don't worry. I do, I, I do the shaving anyway. So he said, okay. So he gets a wonderful shave. And he says, okay, how much do I owe you? And she said, $25. And he thought, wow, that's pretty expensive. I, maybe I'll only do this a couple times a month. So he goes home, gets up the next morning, and his face was just as clean as ever. Next day, clean, no whiskers. Week went by. Two weeks went by, clean. He said, this is unbelievable. He went back to the barber shop, and he said to the pastor, he says, I don't understand. I'm, it's like my beard isn't growing back. And the pastor says, oh, well, you were shaved by grace, so once shaved, always shaved. <laughs> Boy, that's a long way to go for an example, for an illustration, wasn't it? <clears throat> they say, you say, well, well, do you believe in once saved, always saved? Well, folks, I don't get involved in 600-year-old arguments because it's been argued and argued for centuries, and I'm never going to solve that problem. But I, but I will tell you this. I will, I, I will tell you what I do believe. I believe that according to 2 Timothy 1, he has saved us, past tense, and called us, past tense, with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Isn't that wonderful to know? Hallelujah. He saved me. He called me, not by what I could do or not do. And he did it according not to my purpose, but to his purpose and according to his grace. First Peter, Peter joins in, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't this something? To think that that birth certificate that you have, however old it might be, maybe it's one year old or 10 years or 100. No, not 100 yet, some of you. But no matter how tattered and old it is, it's going away. But the birth that you have in Jesus lives and abides and remains forever and ever and ever and ever. That second birth certificate never passes away. I was telling Lisa, I was watching somebody on YouTube, not, not even a Christian thing, but the guy is a Christian. And, and he had on a t-shirt and he had, it was born 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 and it took me a while born and then the second born born again <laughs> i'm glad that second birth has an eternal birth certificate 
never to pass away. It was my Savior that says in John 10, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So you are in the hand of Jesus, which is in the hand of God, and together they're holding you. I don't know about you. You say, am I secure in Jesus? You bet I'm secure in Jesus. That's why Paul said in Romans 8, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created being shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Am I secure? You bet I'm secure in Jesus. Constantly secure in him. Now, you you, you you can debate and talk about some other things about that, but all I know is I can rest in the fact that, that I'm secure. As a matter of fact, if you look back in Scripture, I, I love these, these examples that God's given us. Remember <clears throat> when, when God made Eve, what did he do? He put Adam to sleep. So, shut up, Adam. I'm going to do something. <laughs> he put Adam to sleep. And he opened up his side, he took out a rib, and he formed Eve, the woman. And when Adam woke up from the sleep, he said, wow, look at the beauty that God made for me. Wow. When God wanted an eternal covenant with Abraham, this eternal covenant was going to bless all of humanity. It was going to turn into not just Israel, but the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. Millions and millions were going to come into this covenant. And how, what did he do? Hebrews 6 chapter, he caused Abraham to go into a deep sleep. You see, God has plans in our lives that he doesn't want us silly toddlers fiddling with. So sometimes he has to put us to sleep so he can get something done. Sometimes he has to take us off to the side and say, simmer down now, just shut your mouth, sleep, do whatever it takes. But I'm doing something that you don't understand, and if you tried to fix what I'm doing, you would mess it up. So he put Abraham to sleep. And the word says in Hebrews 6, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And that means my salvation rests not on what I've done or anything like that. My salvation rests on me being asleep and letting God take control. His oath, his covenant, his promise. On the oath and the promise, he swore by himself that he would not relent and he would make this happen. One last wonderful example. Same type of process occurs when God wanted to seal the eternal covenant of salvation for all of humanity. He put Jesus to sleep on the cross, just like Adam, the first Adam. Then he opened the side of Jesus, just like the first Adam. But this time outflowed not just one woman, outflowed the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. Outflowed the blood and the water, symbolic of the birth of the flesh and the birth of the spirit. And when it was done and Jesus rose from the dead, he looked and said, wow, Father, look at the bride that you made for me. Hallelujah. That's why the writer of the Hebrew says, both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Hallelujah. 
This morning, we have a covenant, we have an oath that's been given and sworn to us by our Lord and Savior. And it's never going to pass away. I come from him, I live in him, I'm returning to him, I live and move and have my very being in Jesus. That's why Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith, and that's why he will continue to perfect me in spite of me. Many times. <laughs> you heard that old, old, old story about golfing. When, they, when Rick went golfing with a team and he was not very good. And so the other three guys on the team were very good. So the, the end of the story for the whole day was hit the ball, drag Rick. Hit the ball, drag Rick. Because he, Rick, was way behind. How many times in my walk with the Lord, I really feel it's move ahead, drag Dave. Holy Spirit says, move ahead. Okay, what? Wait, wait, we got to drag Dave kicking and screaming. No, no, David's digging in his heels again. Well, don't worry, we can drag him harder. And how many know the Holy Spirit will continue to drag you harder and harder and harder until you get what he wants you to do? So it's best that you don't dig your heels in. Stop kicking against the goads, as Paul said. Because he will get you where he wants you to be. You say, I am secure. Am I secure? Yes. He will, uh, he that has begun a good work in me will perfect it. Yes. All of those things. Can I turn and walk away? Of course. Can I be a dummy like the rich young ruler? Yes. Can I be a dummy like Hamanius and Alexander? Yes. Can I be a dummy like Demas in scripture? Yes. I can be a dummy and leave all the glory and good news behind me and walk back. I can do that. But you know what? I don't, I don't think we're that dumb anymore. I think we're a little bit smarter than that, right? And that's what the writer of Hebrews says. We're convinced of much more of you than that. So strengthen the weak knees, lift up the hands that hang down, continue to walk forward so that that which is twisted might not be fully broken. Just keep moving forward. And I'll tell you what, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in lives of many people. I've seen people run. I've seen people walk and I've seen people limp and I've seen people crawl. But thank God we're still moving. We're still moving. And he will continue his work in us until the very end. And that leads us to our last point, the completion of our life. That is until the day of Jesus. Not, I, 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 there's something about that phrase that just fascinates me. It's not, he will complete it at the day. That has a little different feel to it. That's more like, okay, I don't know what's happening right now, but I know that at that day, it will be done. But, but Paul is a little more specific there. It's until that day. So that has the connotation of it's going to continue to happen until that day. So that's the completion. We have a goal in life, don't we? And I'm telling you right now, the goal ain't down here. And the longer you live, you'll find out the goal ain't down here. Can, can I, I'll, I'll tattle on my mother. Because, you know, I only have about 20 more years to tattle on her. So she loves to sit on her back porch, on her deck. But the problem is where she lives seems to have this wicked west wind. It is stronger than 
any wind, I don't know what it is. She's by the highway. I don't know if it whips across. I don't know what it is. But the poor lady, we have tried. <laughs> How many tents, canopies, umbrellas, uh, the, the kind of thing, uh, 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 the, the four-cornered tent that you nailed, screw down to the deck, and it's made of iron and steel. And, but no matter what happens, by the end of every season, her poor sail is tattered and worn and torn and ready to take down. Aren't you glad that someday you're going to be in heaven and you won't have to work? <laughs> You'll be able to sit out for 24 hours a day, and if the wind starts, you can just go stop for now. Just... It's no matter how hard you try, it's not down here. You could try every model, you could try every new car, every new house, you could try every spouse, you could try everything you want to try. It's not down here, it's never been down here, it never will be down here. Now, I love down here. I I love down here. It's a wonderful world. I I love it. I, I mean, I wouldn't be saying that in many other parts of the world, but for our lives, I love it. But, but boy, I love the one over there more. And you know what's interesting? I haven't even seen it over there. I don't even know what it's like. But by faith, I believe there has to be way more than down here. And I, I, I can't wait to see the new down here. Isn't that going to be something? What, how can you improve on the Grand Canyon? How can you improve on the Rocky Mountains? How how can you improve on the Amazon jungle? How can you improve on the beautiful beaches that are around the world with the aqua blue water and and the white sand? How can you improve on those things? I have no idea. But I do know one thing. I can't wait to see the new heaven and the new earth. It's going to be something. Because the completion of my life is not down here. The completion of my life is over there. Go back to Hebrews 6 chapter that quoted about Abraham. He ends that whole passage by saying, We might then, because of God's promise, have a strong consolation who have fled for the refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Isn't that a wonderful description of our walk with him? We have fled into him as our refuge. We have laid hold of an invisible hope. It's inside us. That has been set before us. And that's why Paul said in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, For this reason I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. There it is again, not at that day, but until that day. What are you talking about, Paul? You were a man of logic. You were a man of reason. You're a Roman citizen as well as being a Jew. You have debated with the best of them, but yet you say that you are persuaded by an invisible world that doesn't exist? It's because our completion is in Jesus. And the thing that's going to get us there, the person that's going to get us there, is Hebrews, the seventh chapter, that wonderful high priest that we have who continues forever in an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. A continuing priest, he that hath begun a good work, will continue it. His priesthood is eternal, and he will continue it. It will not stop until that day that he brings us all together 
to be with him. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. Mm, mm, mm. And every step of the way, I just have to follow him, listen to him, and let him continually complete his work in me through the Holy Spirit. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much for that work that you will complete in all of us. You have promised to never leave us or forsake us. You have promised to never, ever, ever let us down. You have promised that no matter what happens in our lives, you are always, always, always going to be there. And we're going to rest in that every step of the way as we listen to your voice. And so, Father, we receive that now in each of us. We receive that as we listen to you and walk with you and wait for your completion in our lives. And you will complete it. You promised and you will. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I was thinking of this, and I think I might have sung this song a long time ago but I think it would be a good benediction song. And uh, 89 to 92% of you will not know it. There will some of you that will know it. If you do, you could sing real loud. But let's just stand together to our feet. And it's a real simple old, old chorus. Never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. This one thing I know, that where'er I go, Jesus' love never failed me yet goes like this never failed me yet never failed me yet Jesus love Jesus love never failed me yet this one thing this one thing I know that where'er I go Jesus' love never failed me yet. Try that together. Never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. Jesus' love, Jesus' love never failed me yet. This one thing I know, this one thing. I know that where'er I go, Jesus' love never failed me yet. This one thing I know, say that to him. This one thing I know that where'er I go, Jesus' love never failed me yet. Hallelujah. If you are over 80 years old, has the love of God ever failed you? Raise your hand if the, if the love of God has never failed you and you're over 80. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Bye. Never failed. So, how many of you are under 80? then guess what? You were just told by those over 80 that you've got nothing but success for the rest of your life. Jesus will never fail you. Amen? Hallelujah. Turn around. Bless somebody. Have a happy Memorial Day weekend. Go in that wonderful name of Jesus. Let him continue his work.